Welcome to New Type Flash. This is a podcast where every other week we bring you Gundam Universal Century in a more or less chronological manner. Uh, and as I said in the last episode that we totally didn't record about an hour ago, um, we're not doing that right now. We're kind of hitting up some of the the Gundam side stories um, that happened during the One Year War uh, or around that time. Um, and uh, that's before we kind of move on to like the next, you know, phase of Universal Century, which is post-one-year war. Um, today we have got Luke. Howdy. And Scotty. It wasn't Yowie. And if you want to know what I'm talking about, you have to go listen to the last episode. Oh, uh, I will yeah, say, like the last two minutes. There were naked girls about four pages in. Were They were definitely 18. I like the confidence in your voice there. Definitely. Today we are covering the uh, Lost War Chronicles, which um, is pretty interesting. It's uh, now we're covering the manga, not to be confused with the PlayStation Two video game, which I think is the same story. Oh, Luke, you missed out on that story, didn't you? We were supposed to play that before we did this episode. Shit. <laughs> were we? No, I have the game. I have the game that comes after this. I know, I know. I I, I thought you were going to be like. I thought you were going to be like. Yeah, I played like twelve hours of it last night. No, no, I have a waifu Sim City to worry about. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Play Asia. Let me let me hunt this down. So one thing, while he's doing that, I do want to say that uh, what we are maybe accidentally doing is going through what is titled Mobile Suit Gundam Rebellion as a sort of rebranding. And this is taking all of the Gundam One Year War side stories that have this same uh, author, who's uh, Natsumoto Masato. And kind of, you know, the, like that rebranding kind of compiles them. And I actually think he's doing a um, either maybe finished somewhat recently or is still ongoing a like 0083 refresh. It's 0083 rebellion that kind of yeah, follows along from all say, of it. I was just going to say this is not the same thing as that, right? Correct. It is the same author. Okay. Or artist. Uh, artist. Same artist. Um, but it is not, you know, that's clearly, that's 0083. And then yeah, this is one year war. Um, so the, uh, this comes after UC Hardgraph. This covers a lot of parts of the One Year War, and then I think the um, there's a one shot about Ana Velgato that would be during Battle of Solomon, and then there is a this is followed up by uh, Space to the End of a Flash, sometimes I think called a Thoroughbred, and then there's a 0081 story um, yeah, after that. Namida. Yep. So, and then additional short stories that kind of jump around that go all the way up to like Char's counterattack. So, uh, sort of this larger side story you know, mini universe. But yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't know how much. I don't think there's any like direct carryover characters from UC Hardgraph that we are going to be seeing, at least not in Lost War Chronicles. No, not that I was able to see either. I mean, and and it makes sense because 
this is mostly from the perspective of the Federation. Yes. So what I also wanted to go through before we start on it is this is a manga that you actually can buy physical copies of in English in an official release. It's a Tokyo Pop release, which means um, you're actually not actually supporting anything. They went under a long time ago. So you have to buy these secondhand. I, I got my copies on Amazon. Volume two is really stupid expensive for what it is, especially because the first volume must have been overprinted like mad because I got a like new copy for all of, I think, two dollars, maybe three. Uh, but then volume two hits you with the, hey, do you want to pay double the cover price for both volumes? Ooh, I like it. Mm, yeah, not very fun. But anyhow, uh, so you can, but these were initially released as a sort of promotional tie-in with that video game that we mentioned. And the main character, Matt Healy, he isn't in the game. There's a faceless protagonist, which is your character. So this was a way to give a face to the faceless protagonist. As such, there is not a lot of exposition. There's a lot of jumping around. And there's not a very definitive ending if you read it in print. So where we're going to start our discussion is, so after that initial release, two years later, this was re-released with additional, um, I say two years, I may be off by a little, several years later at least, it was released with two additional prologue chapters to introduce Matt and Ken, and then an epilogue chapter to finish off the story. Yes, that is, uh, I don't know if it's key to enjoying this, but it is. Yeah, I think it's, I really just kind of give this context in case you say, hey, maybe I'll look that up. And then you're going to see it on Amazon for $3 with prime shipping. And it shows up on your door and, an hour or something. If you just jump into it without that context, you're going to be like, this is bad. Does, do the mangas have um, the, the chapter zeros in them? You didn't listen to anything. I just, no, no, I did listen. Is that the ones you have? Do they have the chapter zeros? No, no, because there's, there is a re-release that has more of them, right? Right. But not, and that's why I was kind of going through that is if you, get just these in English. You know, if you do buy that first volume, you want to look up the chapter zeros first, because yeah. otherwise you're just, you're getting just dropped in. Yeah. Because I mean, even you, you guys gave me the links to the chapter zeros today and I read them and I was like, yeah, that wouldn't make sense if I started off with chapter zero in the manga. It's jarring because you don't know who any of these people are. Mm-hmm. And they're like, who are these people? Yeah, but anyway, we can just get into it. So we have our Matt Healy prequel chapter. So it's like chapter zero, side A. And we uh, we see that he's in Australia. He's a cadet trainee. And he's uh, the guy that has to go get all the ants. Yeah, yeah this is kind of another little lead into uh, or follow up from yet last week's episode or two weeks ago's episode. He's actually on vacation. He's on leave. Um, but yeah, so there's a, a geologist in Australia that is a Xeon guy. So this is like, this is either right before the war or like right at the beginning of the war. I think, I think it's 
Well, the context would be that they're in Australia. So this is before. Is is Australia the, the first thing that happens in the war? I mean, that's where they. I mean, they put a they put a very large crater in Australia. Yeah, but I mean, they were fighting a little bit before that. Yeah, I know, but no, this is so. This is at least before Colony Drop, right? I think this is when. Oh yeah, they they mentioned that they think a war is going to start, and how that's too bad. Two so months before is, the start yeah. of the war. Yep. So this is late 0078. but uh, yeah, this this geologist guy is getting kind of picked on because he's from side three though. He's definitely a spy. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. He's this uh, nerdy geologist. That's like running around looking at dirt. Um, and you know, Healy has to break up a fight because people are curb stomping the geologist. Um, and he's Duchamp Lawton. If it matters, I don't think it matters. Never matters. Um, the last names don't matter until they do. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so the geologist is basically like, yeah, Zeon really wants information about this stuff because we're they're a poor resource strapped, con- uh, you know, country. But I don't want to help them. Yeah, he Even gives him a shark like, tooth. He's like, "Hey, look, there's a shark tooth here where I'm digging. Did you know that there used to be sharks here?" And he's like, "Whoa, geology's neat." <laughs> um, anyhow, it, that's just some, you know, a little bit of a little bit of relationship building. It's all pretty short and quick. And the main thing is that at some point you see Matt, who he sees Duchamp giving someone money in an alleyway, and he's like, "Oh no, he really was a spy," but he like, can't pull the trigger. And that's a theme. Uh, Matt Healy is extremely similar to Shiro Amada from OAth MS team. Yeah, yeah, he's basically the same character, except yep. I would, I would say he's a little bit more of a pacifist. He has blue hair. Yeah, or like, or like, yeah. I dropped there for a hot second, so I don't know how much I missed. But uh, yeah, I, I, the whole time I was reading this, it was it was like eighth MS team all over again. Is is what I was getting the feeling of. Yeah, a lot of the same kind of story beats in there. Yeah, I say blue hair on Matt. He's got that hair that it's sometimes it's blue on a colored page, and then sometimes it's just you know, dark. So it, I guess it depends on the lighting, you know, how, how blue it is or, or who's colored it. The only thing in color on my copies are the covers. Um, I think some of the ones online have some additional splash pages that have uh, been colored in. But anyway... So, yeah, the colony drop happens and the war starts. And uh, you do learn that at some point Matt actually gets a letter from Duchamp uh, with the uh, shark tooth in there. And you learn he, he was actually not a spy. Uh, he was giving back money that Zeon was trying to bribe him with to give them information. So that is that chapter. And we go to side eyes. The, the, the inference is he dies in Australia during the colony drop. So, uh Side B, Ken. Ken Burns, better start stat, better stat. Bird Burn, stat, huh? Is it bird stat? Bird stat. It's B E D E R S T A D T. Better stat. Better stat. It's not burn stat. Not not according. It says early stages of the war. Ken better stat. Oh yeah, better stat. I will not pronounce. I I will not claim pronunciation on that. Um, oh, I'm Ken. Yeah, this is a Ken. 
can be. Yeah, because I, mm-hmm. I think Bader Stotts would be like the actual. Ooh, I like that better, Scotty. Yeah, let's do that. Bader I took, one, I took one semester of German in college. I, I took some in high school. I lived in Germany. Okay. Well, what's his name then? Yeah, you decide. You get to decide now. <laughs> you were the one upper, so you can decide. <laughs> Um, all right, so yeah, we see um, um, he's basically in space. He 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 used to be a Xeon. Um, he worked for Xeon, like space co- company, where they like he was like piloting balls and stuff like that. Um, then I, the inferences in the lead up to the war. Zeon started like requisitioning people and resources and things like that. And they were holding the, uh, the other space noids um, hostage. And if the promise of Zeon citizenship didn't um, make them happy, they would threaten to like basically kill their families. And this is kind of what happened to Kenny B. Um, Yeah. So that's why he is a Xeon soldier. And so there's a part here that I thought is interesting because we had talked a bit about this with, uh, you know, when we were going through origin, but they've gone back and forth in a lot of media about the actual purpose of loom. And was Xeon just, were they just messing around? They weren't really going to try to do another colony drop. You know, was it just a way to lure out the Federation, which is kind of how Origin tries to paint it? Um, this chapter just goes all in on, no, they were absolutely going to drop that sucker on Earth uh, because Ken's group was hired to move that thing. Yeah. And they'd say they don't like where they had to move it to. Well, yeah. So I thought it was just interesting that in uh, this this interpretation of events was... Yes, they were absolutely trying to do it again. Yeah. So we, we see at the Battle of Loom 2, uh, there's like a, ha- a handful of panels on it where um, he some of the people he's with are man, able to get into like an escape ship during the battle. Uh, but he doesn't make it, but he makes it into a Zaku. Um, his Zaku gets wrecked, and the people that were flying away got blown up, and he was really sad about that. And... Um, he meets another guy, Commander Douglas. Commander Douglas, who's like, "I'll teach you how to be a badass. Come fight for me." And he's like, "Okay." Verbatim quote from the from the manga. Yep. Come, I will teach you. It's, it's very good writing. <laughs> <laughs> then they got into their Ford trucks. <laughs> Yep. So, um, so yeah, let's, now we go into like the main part of Lost War Chronicles where the setup is essentially, um, there is a unit that is, it's called the experimental unit and they're essentially, the, the whole theory behind them is they are subjected to, um, unpredictable situations to, gain experience for these newly newfangled Federation mobile suits. 
Um, and as part of this, they get a gun tank. I kind of thought it was interesting. They kind of built the gun tank up to be badass. He's like, oh, man, this new gun tank. Well, this is like their one of one of like the first actual like mobile suits that they had at this point. Like they, you know, they complain about the mobility of it and everything like that. But like the firepower is just like crazy. I mean, because the gun tanks were essentially like if we go back to like the origin story, um, it was like a uh, one of those repurposed like mobile workers. Remember, we see like the ones that uh, Shar kind of like commandeered and was like driving around the the uh, colony with uh, Sela. Right. I think it's. Uh, I don't know. I just like seeing them actually put stock in the uh, the non RX seventy eight stuff. I, I really enjoy seeing that. I like those suits. Yeah, and it and it sounds like too like this, you know, this a whole premise for this is like this unit is um supposed to like figure out how to like use these suits because they don't know how to. This is a new technology and um, yeah, how do you how do you integrate this into the battlefield effectively? They're the experimental yep. unit. So that so, makes sense. So to do this they bring in uh Noel Anderson who is um, a female corporal um, who is an expert on mobile suit combat theory. Does she play any place in the game? Is she like your your like voice in the ear in the game or something? I don't know, but this is the same role that Tia played in Hardgraph. It is your token flirtatious romantic interest for the protagonist. The end. And they are stationed in Canada. So that's really Canada. Yeah, we are doing some globe hopping, but right now they are well Alberta or somewhere like that. Yeah. As the Xeon soldiers say in the middle of nowhere. And there's a lot of nowhere up that way. Yep, that's true. Not all of it. Not all of it. Don't need Calgary and Edmonton people (laughs) getting mad. I would love to go to uh what is it? Banff natural national forest. Looks like a pretty place. Sure. Um, yeah, so Xeon uh, wanted to capture these new Federation suits that they've recently become aware of. Um, so the essentially the captain leads them to an area they you know, Xeon has these water enabled suits that they're way better than, you know, anything the Federation has had up to this point. So um they basically come up with this plan with uh, Noel and Captain Healy and everybody like this, um, where they're going to lead the Xeon forces to water um, with the GMs. Are these GMs? Yeah, they're GMs, right? Yeah, they're just regular GMs. Uh, these are, I think these are ground type. GMs. Yeah, they have like D1 through D3. I That's for draft the series but that's for delta so their their call sign is delta so um yeah so they basically zeon is is chasing these um gms into the water and like or essentially the gms run they're in the water and zeon's like oh man this is awesome like 
we're more mobile in the water. These guys are idiots. We're going to blow them up. And um, then the uh, gun tank just lights them up from range because they were not expecting that it, it was sniping um, from up on a hill. Um, yeah, and this is, I think, the only time Annie is in any kind of mobile suit or anything like it. It's hard to call a gun tank a mobile suit. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a suit that's mobile. I guess it is, but it's, it's just, it's tough. I, I have this like problem with picturing anything being a mobile suit that's not a Gundam or a Saku, or like a, like a Gelgoog or something. You know, GMs are like. I don't know. They're not. Yeah, I, I feel you. They're not. They're not mobile suits. Well, I mean, I was thinking of a gun tank, especially. But you it, mentioned it GMs' legs. We should maybe we should read that like Fight Club, like GM Fight Club manga. <laughs> um, yeah. So the captain gets in a in a one on one battle uh, with the goof, and he kicks its ass. Yeah, he does. He's, so, a, he's in a GM and being like a pretty badass pilot. Yeah, yeah, you're he's in, a GM in water, <laughs> right? No, yeah, this is uh, establishes him in that context as this guy's a little OP here. Yeah, he he like gut punches the goof and then he like shoves the shield in its face and then like kicks its ass and even the girl Noel's like that was awesome. Oh, she's <laughs> she's into that. Yeah, she's definitely into it. Um, yeah, and then we learn that we, we get a brief, we get to see um, the Zeon side of things. We get to see uh, Ken and his 14-year-old mechanic. Yeah, I I didn't really understand that. <laughs> they, give, they give context to this, um, just not immediately. So immediately... You go oh, not, again. Nothing. Nothing will go wrong here. Nothing could. Nothing bad could happen. She she can diagnose Dom issues by ear, ear which is weird. I thought that was the dude. No, it was her, wasn't it? Well, so she had been. So okay, the whole setup here is that you have this shot of Ken and he is kicking ass but then he has to retreat and then so you see this uh, big and it's a uh, Federation uh, big tray um, it's like the uh, what do they call it like a fork class uh, I'm getting it getting something wrong but anyway it's a land battleship so who cares what it's called it's a big floating land battleship thing it's mostly a box okay moving on uh He's kicking its ass, but this uh, we kind of see now that Matt's third platoon is having to guard it. And, well, they're really on their way to do something else. But they've kind of offered, like, hey, we'll help protect you because they see this thing getting kind of, you know, it's kind of wrecked a little bit. And it's a decoy for Revel's land battleship, the Bataan. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he's been ordered back, and he's like, why was I ordered back? I would have been able to take that thing out. And you see this, I think he remains nameless, uh, like, you know, Zeon guy, uh, because Ken is in this like foreign legion as Lane kind of was explaining much earlier in the episode. 
these guys are closer to you know hired mercenary sh- soldiers than actual enlisted. So this guy that's actually like an enlisted officer is, oh well, I've got a dom now, and we're gonna have that big tray taken out or uh, with, you know, by a real soldier with this new great symbol of Zeon. And so May is the mechanic that had worked on the dom, and just kind of when she says she's 14, I think the, you know, there's some lines of dialogue. Like, do you think I'm not very good because of my age? And Ken's like, no, I can hear how the Dom is operating. Yeah. And based on that, you must be pretty damn good. Hmm. Yeah. So the Dom attacks this ship that they're, that they're protecting. And, um, you know, Healy's unit does a pretty good job of uh, of de- defending against Zeon for a long time. Um, they use tactics to defend it because that's their thing. Um, but then Zeon reinforcements show up and blow up the ship, essentially. We're going to go into how they take care of the Dom. Right? He's like facing off with him. And this guy in the Dom is like, really? A GM? Okay. But then when he starts to go at him, he jumps and it's the Dom is basically going right for where the big trace gun is. And he radios Noel for her to fire that sucker. And they blow the whole bottom half off the Dom. Yeah. And since those hover, uh, it's now, well, it's the top of a mini Zeong. It's like the top of a Dom tank without the tank. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That was pretty cool. Um, that's why when I say they use tactics, that's what I meant. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's pretty cool. Like that, it's a pretty cool battle scene. So, like one one thing we didn't mention with this one, like so each chapter of um, Lost War Chronicles is called is called like uh, an, uh, sorry, the word is going out of my head right now. Um, it's called an objective or something along those lines. Um, trying to find the word because it is operation. Sorry, operation is the word I was going to use. So each one is each chapter is an operation. So like, um, it, the, this is essentially like a set of like uh se- six or seven um like individual operations where like there's combat and then it's resolved and like there's there's plot development in between combats but um that's basically how this whole chap like so if this was like a tv show each of these would be like a 15 or 20 minute episode where like you know they go and do something and then it's over like there's not like a there's there's a continuity between the episodes or between the objectives like as far as like character development and how these people interact but like there's not like it's it's not similar to um like war in the pocket or anything like that, where it's kind of like a, a long, like drawn single arc. Um, unless you're talking about like, you know, these two guys facing off, like ultimately at the end, it's a lot of sort, sort of self-contained. Uh, right. And it, you can kind of tell that it is just fleshing out video game content because it you, it's almost like video game levels. Um, or this is something that they're never going to animate at this point. I don't know. I guess we should never say never. Twilight Axis happened somehow. But uh, if they were to animate this, they could put out you know, one like TV episode length OVA or something 
every six months and you wouldn't forget too much. Yeah. It's just stuff happens and then stuff happens and it's episodic content. Yeah. It jumps around and yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So chapter three, Healy's unit is um, actually escorting uh, Lieutenant Matilda. That's right. Yep. And they're um, at a certain point, they kind of diver- they they fork off and they start divar- diverting the enemy attack so that um, Matilda's can unit can head off and uh, resupply the white base. Nice little kind of timing parallel with hard graph right there. Mm-hmm. You know, because Matilda's going off to resupply white base, which is episode fourteen, and this is right before Odessa and. So I think that all kind of sort of played nicely uh, reading one right after the other. And I was like, Oh yeah, this is when all these things are happening. Uh, and we see that Matt has a ground Gundam now. Yep. Yep. It's got like a giant booster attached to it as well. That allows him to like yeah. launch from a ship. Um. So, yeah, he has the RX-79G. Um, the Xeon attacks with this giant flying ship and takes out a bunch of GMs. Um, what is this ship exactly? It's just like some random ship that has I, like... Yeah, I don't know. I put... There's a big hovercraft. And there's the... You know, the Kind of the, the point of this chapter was you know, the fact that they get attacked here is like they cut to rebel saying that he knows that there must be a spy because Matilda's route was very secret. And then he's commending someone named Rachel on, uh, and knowing to send that third platoon out in total secrecy to guard them so that they would be able to get, you know, Matilda could get to white base. And, uh, you learn that Rachel is a close friend of Matilda, which they use one time later in this manga. And I think is otherwise kind of an inconsequential detail, but yeah, anyway. And so, right. They get attacked by Zeon hovercraft. Uh, they win. Ken's at Odessa. They're not winning. They watch Makuve take off. So I guess this is in the universe where Makuve lives at <laughs> Odessa. So it's not, not origin. You, you do get to see a cool scene where like um, where Healy's almost captured in his, in his, uh, um, in his uh, Gundam. Um, they put, they like have this net that's like cast over him and it's about to like elect, like electrocute and like lock him in. But he like picks up the, uh, he picks up a drone or sorry, he picks up a Zaku and throws it at the drone. That's like launching the cage and blows it up. Um, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, these chapters move quick. It is, I mean, there's a lot that's just action. Yeah, yeah, and he ends up saving his buddy from a uh, um from dying. That his his GM got busted up, um, but his GM in the in the meantime also gets pretty fucked up. Like its arm is basically like ha- hanging off, and it's like got a ton of damage. Um, yeah. And so we, we then in the start of chapter four, he's talking to Annie about repairing it. And she mentions something that we have talked about on this show previously, which is that the ground Gundam is, it's just a patchwork of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You, you missed one thing. What's Healy's rank now? 
Um, second lieutenant, I think. He got demoted. I don't know the rank structure. He was captain before. Yeah. He, I, he, was, he was captain, so now he got demoted to a lieutenant. And then we'll see later on, and I think chapter six? Nope, seven. Chapter seven, he's a captain again. Yeah, look, full disclosure, I don't know the rank structure. I would hear someone's a general, and I'm like, they must be important. And yeah, otherwise, so, I hear like an officer designation or a ranking, and I go, great. So I, whatever. if they're similar to like the army rankings, it's second lieutenant, first lieutenant, captain. So yeah. like that's that's about all you need to know is like he was a lieutenant first or second. Who cares? That is correct, Lane. It is second lieutenant, first lieutenant, uh, then captain for the ground force. Um, the all each of the individual federation like sub forces have different rank structures though. Yeah, but yeah, I so I don't know. I, I don't know the real. I don't know the like the American Army wins either. It's it's so. the same. That's it's what I just listed. No, I I know I don't know them. Yeah, he got demoted for getting his his. Yeah, two, up. I think you see, he was a second lieutenant. That would mean he got two rank demoted. And so I don't know that he was a second lieutenant. It just said before he was a captain, and now he's a lieutenant. That, I'm gonna I'm gonna use I'm gonna I'm gonna call it two rank demotion in my head. I think that makes sense. I mean that's consistent. I feel like we need a two-rank demotion. Yeah. There's no way to get a one-rank anything. So here we got a two-rank demotion. And and I think that's consistent with um, what happened with um, Io when when he fucked up the the Atlas – or not the Atlas, the the, – Full armor Gundam. The full armor Gundam got demoted. So So I have the – I don't don't know – sorry. I don't know what your translation said, but in the – uh, one I'm looking at on page 12, he says, why do you all call me captain? I'm a second lieutenant. Mm. Yeah, I thought I heard, I thought, I thought I remembered saying that. Anyway. Yes, yeah, so that would be a two rank demotion. Yep. Yeah. So this is where, uh, so they, yeah, they get some new orders. He has to go into battle with trainees. Uh, Thankfully, it's not like Thunderbolts trainees. It's actual trainees at a military academy, not you just kids. Not a bunch of like five-year-old kids that are like, ooh, you've got a Gundam. Let's take selfies. Um, but now we get to Ken's unit, and he's talking to Commander Douglas, and we see there like a you know operator or whomever, uh, Yuki, asking why they brought May along. So now we're going to learn why this kid is with this unit. And what Douglas explains is that May's father was part of the Daikun faction and uh, Douglas is as well. And Douglas figured that he would be able to better protect her, you know, by bringing her along and and having her along on earth uh, wherever he was. So he can make sure basically that the uh, interests opposed to people that are known to be aligned with Daikun faction and Rawl family would not, find her and, and uh, you know, we can kind of guess what would happen. So it's just another example of what I had mentioned uh, in the last episode where, it, you know, the Zeon is not presented necessarily as the protagonist here, but Ken is not presented as a just pure evil villain either. Right. And so of course his unit is, you know, the commander is someone that is Daikun faction Yep. Yeah. Um, 
so essentially like I mean there's a lot of talking, you know, basically so this is that that same guy that we saw in chapter zero B or whatever. Um that is you know, teaching and bringing um, Kenny B up in life. Um, and they want to go back to space together. They don't want to like die on earth because, you know, who wants to die on earth? Um, Only those whose souls are weighed down by gravity. Boom. Yeah. And, and they, you know, brought up that the, the commander could have um, gone back to space with Makuve when, um, when they lost Odessa. Um, Does anyone really want to go anywhere with Makuve? It depends if he's alive or dead. And you don't know. He <laughs> maybe, maybe that's the joke in the origin. Schrodinger's Makuve. That that origin epilogue chapter where he like comes out of the painting and kills that guy. Maybe that's what it is. Is he he both lives and dies every time you you see a different version. Uh, it's he's just like a immortal energy vampire or something. It's Nicolas Cage in the Universal Century. Yeah. So um, uh, Healy's unit runs up on this giant like space ball that has fallen fallen to Earth. It's an HLV, uh, yeah. which we get to see. This is a uh, some more. Away with MS team vibes here because that's something that you see uh, there. There's going to be some even more direct parallels, but um, yeah, you know, basically they find that and they're like, "Hey, we should, we should take this." Ken shows up with uh, May and his Zaku, and they sort of rappel over to it and uh, get in there. And hey, guess what? It's a Gelgoog. It ejaculates a Gelgoog. That's one way to describe it. Um, anyway here is where you have a little bit of a standoff uh, where uh, Ken kind of has one of these trainees is holding him hostage and you know Matt's also pointing uh, his beam rifle at the Gelgoog and they're saying well I say beam rifle I don't think it's a beam rifle there on on the ground anyway um, they they both look like machine guns yeah and they're like he's like hey we just want to escape we're really just trying to like go, you know, make sure we survive. Like this suit is not a, something for me to, uh, this isn't a quote, but just kind of paraphrasing. He's telling Matt, this new suit is not a means for me to kill more people, but it is a way to enhance my probability of survival, which is kind of making that a euphemism if I ever heard it, but Matt uh, buys it because I don't know. He's maybe not the sharpest yeah, says, in the drawer. We aren't here to kill, but to obs- obtain a surer means of survival. Yeah. I'm, see, now I really got to look and see if that's a... I'm wondering if they actually scanned the English one or if um, or if it's different. Because I feel like that phrasing is is all different. Let's see. Yeah, here. it could be. I really like the, um, the drawing of the Gelgoog, though. I like the way it looks in this. this yes. Yeah, that was pretty sweet. I really enjoyed this part. And and in fact, this is the way they draw the suits in this manga is probably one of my favorites aside from um the Thunderbolt drawings of the different suits that are out there. Like they're yeah. they're really detailed, but they're not like you know, over was, the top suits. I was thinking that when I was uh when I was reading it. I, they they all looked uh 
normally when I look at UC, like a 0079 stuff, the, the suits just don't look cool. I mean, they, they're cool for what they are, but they don't look cool all the time. Right. Um, and in this one, they do. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they, they did a good job with the drawings of this. So, um, yeah, so Haley allows the Gelgoog to get away. And um, Healy gets court-martialed and put into jail for three days. As is tradition. He's a real Gundam pilot now. It's true. (laughs) Um, Just as an aside, you know, kind of coming up on the last couple of chapters here, uh, if you really want to be creeped out about the 14-year-old character, have you seen the cover to Volume 2? To Volume 2? Yeah, check out his hand. He's like full on groping. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, but she looks so tiny and young. You couldn't have just you so couldn't have just drawn that hand like it's I don't know. definitely not Kiki, Kiki uh, what's her name from Kiki? Kiki, yeah. 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 Definitely not Kiki. Uh, they make yeah, they make her small. I mean, here's the back of volume one where they show those two. Yeah, that's even creepier. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know about this fourteen. That's a Short 14. So, yeah, now we're at Operation 5, and we are back in... We're in Jabro now. That's right. And we get to see uh, Woody. Yeah. And Rachel's consoling him about Matilda. And I can't tell if he's actually sad or if he's like, she had friends. That's right. (laughs) No, I think he's actually sad. He, He is. Yeah, so Healy's unit is um, one of the units that's helping defend uh, Jabiro, um during this. I guess like this is the p- place where, um, spoiler alert, uh, Woody dies. <laughs> yeah. So all um, of this is all of this is going on. You know, Odessa. Excuse me. Sorry, Jabro is under bombardment. Like Xeon right. is dropping. Like they've located it. They are dropping a lot of mobile suits and third platoon is now having to try to keep as many as they can from landing, go mop up some of the ones that do. Uh, but Hey, Larry gets a GM sniper. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So of course, Lieutenant Ken's um, yeah. Lieutenant Ken is actually out in Asia at this point. Right. So we learned that after Odessa, so the third platoon and Matt, they go west and southwest to South America to Jabro. And Ken goes east because they're trying to get to the Asian front. To They're trying to specifically, uh, we learn later, they're trying to go to Baikonur, which is a spaceport. I think in, in Russia, that is actually a uh, takeoff site in real life. They're uh, trying to meet up with uh, the hard graph guys. I mean, maybe. Probably, or, right? right? Or, uh, well, and, and, and this is another similarity to OHMS team, where it, you, when you get to those later episodes, um, you know, there's the general that returns from Odessa with his beat-up crew uh, that Guineas, you know, ends up, like, toasting them all in, like, the cave. Mm, yeah. I, I forget what the general's name is at this point. But, uh, yeah, like, the, you know, they were fleeing east to the Asian front to try to get back into space. So they, they're basically doing that exact same thing here. Yep. 
And um, yeah, I mean that's it's kind of what yeah. you get. But now what you what you get here is that uh, um, he's out in this in the Gelgoog. Um, there's another uh, Zaku out there with him, and they they're like kind of done. They're gonna go back to base, but they can't radio it. Basically, the feds attacked their little base while they were out mopping up. Uh, Yuki is dead, and Ken is now really mad. He's actually. This is where Ken is like actually wanting to go and, you know, yeah. yeah this is where his uh, switch flips, mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah, he wants to go and fight and blow up some feds. Feds. Yuri yeah. Kellern was the was the guy you were talking about, right? Yeah, he he basically decides at this point he is going to um, kill. Yeah, this blood will cost the Federation every last one of its soldiers. So he is going to kill everybody in the Federation because Yuki died. Um, yeah, he's going nuts at this point. Yeah. Well, look, she was probably 19, and now he's just got a 14-year-old. So, Yeah. That's well, I mean, he seems, from the cover, he seems to like that 14-year-old, so... Maybe he just needs she to work. Might, she on might his be hover fifteen hand. by the time this this scene happens. Yeah, maybe he just needs to work on his hover hand. Yeah, they should have given him a dom, not a Gelgoog. <laughs> you mean? Have you seen the pictures of? Um, <laughs> we keep going back to him. Um, the guy from the Matrix. Jesus Christ. Keanu. Yeah, Keanu Reeves. Have you ever seen? So apparently, Keanu Reeves and all the pictures he has with women were like he's doing. Oh, like, yeah, he doesn't touch him. Yeah, he's yeah, he's got like a legit hammer hand, and like, like he 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 knows the appropriate way to like make it look like he's you know being nice and and personable um, without actually touching him. <laughs> look, some people are just don't want to touch other people. It's true. It's true. Yeah, it's it's either he doesn't want to touch them or it's like a really good CYA. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't want to get. Uh... Get accused of diddling. Anyway, you said we keep coming back to it. I think that's the first time Keanu has come up on this podcast. I, I, I can't imagine we've talked about Keanu much without me realizing it. I thought we talked about him last episode. No. Like Keanu Reeves. No. <laughs> I could have swore we brought him up. Dude, we brought somebody up famous last episode. Let's go on. This is past y'all's bedtime. <laughs> All right. Um, so uh, we get our, our Healy... Um, uh, parallel here. So Healy's unit's in a battle, and uh, one of the guys in his unit is about to take out a Zaku pilot, and Healy stops him from from killing the Zaku pilot because again, we it's been a very recurring thing that Healy doesn't want to kill people if they don't, you know, if they're defenseless, yada yada yada. Um, and then the his his ally gets himself blown up um, because he doesn't take out that Zaku pilot. And that's pretty much the end of that operation. You don't do it. Zaku starts shooting. Anish takes out the Zaku, but it's too late. Uh, Larry's now dead. This is only important because this makes Anish very mad. Yeah. Uh, And he wants to, like, yeah, when we open up with chapter six, uh, and, you know, we learned that, um, you know, they're going to have to go to the Asian front and find this Gelgoog that they let get away. Uh, Anish is basically like, if you try that with me, I will just, I'm still going to shoot. Uh, yeah, and the the important thing here. So they're leaving. They see the feds take off to Jaburo, and then we learn that Annie has been transferred 
to a new Pegasus class ship, which is the Thoroughbred. And that is your hook into the sequel to this. Interesting. I did. I wasn't aware of that one yet. Yep. Yep. Because the ship that Annie is on is what is followed in, uh, you know, the uh, Encounters in Space video game, the Thoroughbred route, or the uh, space at the end of a flash or whatever that way too long title is for the manga. You get the RX-78, 4, and 5. Anyway, that's neither here nor there for this one. Yeah. So, yeah, the... Matt finds out about the Gelgoog and he is not very happy. Um, so yeah, they get sent out to go find him. And of course they find him. Right. Yep. Yep. And now um, what, what uh, Ken is doing here is trying to make sure that this other HLV at uh, Baikonur is able to take off into space safely because this has May and most of that other crew that he was with. Mm-hmm. They're trying. They're just trying to go home at this point. And um, you have a yet another eighth MS team parallel here because Anish in that GM sniper is pointing at that HLV. Something that happens in a eighth MS team with you know that medical ship taking off and all that, and then sniping it. Um, uh, just in this case, Matt stops him because he actually just jumps in front of him. Yeah. And this, I, I had a note here. It's like, so Matt and, and Kenny B are fighting each other at this point, And they're really having like, you know, one of those stalemates, but battle of ideologies type things going on. And then, um, uh, Healy sees that Anish is about to blow up that transport ship and he kind of jumps, um, right in front of Anish uh, to prevent the ship from being blown up. And, and at this point, like, um, Kenny B is, like, surprised, I guess. He's like, whoa, this is blowing my mind. Whoa. And then <laughs> it's the end for years. And then they put out an epilogue chapter because of, I think, you know, the video game probably. Like, Not everybody's going to go buy I'm a good. PS2 to finish this manga. Yeah, yeah. They should go to Nadesco and actually make content in between the show and the movie. The movie wouldn't be so completely terrible. Anyway, <laughs> different franchise. Um, so, yeah, this epilogue, I mean, it, it's it hits exactly only the things it needs to. Well, yeah, it starts off with a shower scene. Maybe not. Exactly the things it needs to. <laughs> um, pointless fan service stuff with Noel. Look, some readers might think they need that. This is so old. I don't think you can just look up on the internet that kind of thing um, for this one. I, I'm not going to look. You probably you, can. but You see your ass crack. Yeah. Anyway. Um, a little bit like the... Um, a little bit like that sunscreen bottle pose going on for some reason. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, basically they have tracked them to an abandoned city. For some reason, it's only Ken and Garski left. So there's a lot of characters. It's like, did they escape? Did they also die? What happened here? But basically the third platoon has cornered them in like an abandoned city. You've only got a Gelgoog and a Zaku uh, against the uh, ground Gundam and a GM sniper. And so, yeah, they get into... You know, they go into combat and Ken and Matt have like their like boilerplate hit all the beats Gundam combat debate 
here while they're fighting. Yeah. Yeah, it's another battle of ideologies. Yeah, they're like, war is bad. And the other guy's like, war is mostly bad. <laughs> but you killed my friend. Or, like, you know. <laughs> yeah, let's fight about it. Um, and so you see uh, Anish disabling the uh, Zaku. Uh, Garski kind of gets out and surrenders. And then you know, Anish has a gun pointed at him. And he ends up letting him go. And he's like, ah, oh, shoot. Now I'm like that one guy. <laughs> I I don't I don't back up everything I say. Oh man. But um as they're about to cut each other's heads off. Yep. As we are about to go full war in the pocket. An, an armistice. armistice has been signed. Yes. And Noel gets on there and goes, Oh, we're now we're gonna justify your presence in this with something other than pointless fan service. Tactics. Um, that's right. Yep. So Finally, just to make everything just go full circle, Ken gets to go home. And then your last thing is a two-page spread of Matt overlooking the crater in Australia, and he's got Duchamp's shark tooth in his hand. Yep. Kind of record an album. <laughs> I, I really this. like this. I, I, I really like this. Um, the, the story is... Well, I, I would say, so, like, the characters are pretty one-dimensional. Uh, I mean, even compared to, like, the hard graph stuff that we were talking about last episode. But the action's really good. And, like I was saying before, I really like the, the, the art style of this. Um, and I feel like this is, like, a good, um, you know, start-to-finish, like, thing is if they didn't have that final chapter it wouldn't have felt as final but like you said they added it on and they even at i feel like the chapter zeros were kind of unnecessary but like the rest of it, it i felt like it fleshed out like a good amount of story and made me happy i don't know i kind of thought the chapter zeros were were a really good addition yeah i i think i think so because i think these from you know, just reading the two print volumes that didn't have the prologues and epilogue first, I feel like I got to know the characters, but not. They just kind of gave another layer to them, having that extra backstory. They didn't feel as like. I mean, a lot of Matt Healy felt like, well, we would have just done Shiro Amada, but that doesn't work in the chronology. So, I I will say I liked um. I like Kenny B's chapter zero a decent amount because i felt like it actually gave him a little bit of two-dimensionality um shiro's was not as good so let's see apparently missing link um some of these characters show up again matt healy uh and uh this is some interesting trivia i'm just reading this off the wiki um but it looks like Matt is kind of indirectly referenced as one of the mobile suit team leaders from the ship uh, General Rebel, not the person in Unicorn. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's, yeah, that's pretty neat. And let's see. In the PSP game, Gundam Battle Royale, his pilot stats are ranked higher than other Federation aces, such as Shiro Amada and Yu Kajima. Yu Kajima is the um, Blue Destiny pilot. So, yeah, they... He's good. He's a good pilot. Solid pilot. 
So I mean, he, he 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 did some pretty legit work with a GM. Yeah, it's a they, they somewhat try to imply he might be a new type at one point. And he's talking about talking to Ken and how he thinks they understood one another, but I don't think he actually ever like. His they power. don't seem to go full in on that. Nothing ever. Did did you have the equal feelings about this one as you did with uh, Hardgraph, Luke? You just didn't care for it that much, or no, no, I like this one. I enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was a good length. I, I mean, I disagree with you on the the chapter zero. I thought the chapter zero prequels were uh, pretty great. I, I was actually reading this and not finished with it, and then Scotty told me about the chapter zeros. I went back and read them, and then kept going, and I feel like I got a lot more out of it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess. I had already read all of it before I read the chapter zero. So maybe, maybe that kind of, it, it just felt yeah. for me, it felt tacked on. So I, that's probably just the order I read them in. Sure. I mean, they were tacked on. They yeah. were entirely tacked on, but I think just as an admission of, well, Hey, it's a PS2 game or whatever. PSP something. You didn't play that. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we are going to be hitting up. Um, what are we hitting up next time? I don't know. I think we're hitting. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't actually know. I, I was going to work on that. I think we were talking about doing. Um, we were talking about, yeah, just going on to the sequel of this. Yeah. But. Yeah. We'll plan on that. It's short too. It's another. Uh, this one's three volumes, so this is thirty-three percent longer. Nice. <laughs> what happens when Kurt Angle writes it? It's true. Uh, anyway, what we'll do yeah. is we'll have uh, Lane go track down Stampede, the story of Professor Minovsky, translate it from Japanese for us, and then we'll talk about that. Is it called Stampede because he gets stomped on by uh, um... (laughs) (laughs) It's actually pretty great. Uh, All right. All right. Well, any other thoughts? I'll take that as a no. Thanks for checking in with us, guys, next time. Uh, Check in with us in a a few more weeks, and we will uh, have another episode out. Uh, Until then, feel free to follow us on Twitter at NewTypeFlashPod. You can also hit us up on our Reddit threads. Until then, we will see you then. Thank you. Bye. Bye.